And all right. and yes. All right. Thank you, Johnny Gilbert. We're here and what were we talking about? We were talking about Uh we were talking about Minecraft servers. Oh right. Minecraft servers. Minecraft servers. We should probably tell people who we are and what we do. Yes. Um, in case you don't know, we're hopes this helps. I'm I almost said I'm Tiff. I'm Steve. You you are not Tiff. <laughs> I am not Tiff. You are Tiff. I am Steve. I am Tiff. You are Steve. We are Stiff. We don't know who we, we are. We are not Stiff. No, never mind. Sometimes. Let's just keep talking about what we were talking about. Okay. Yes. Uh, it, we're off to a great start. Intro, intro over. We are on to the next thing because we have lots of things to talk about. Tonight we're talking about yes, we do. Minecraft and the Enterprise. Minecraft Enterprise Server. MES. <laughs> Welcome to Minecraft the Conference Room. This is going to transform your industry of work. Talk about whatever it is, like the transformational office or whatever they call it these days. Yeah, so we're rethinking how we work and how we commute and in some cases telecommute and in most cases telecommute. But why not do that in a way that can reconstruct your former life where you went into a physical office by reconstructing the office building that you once uh, resided in in Minecraft and then you can have meetings and conference rooms and infinite scalability and get that physical tangible uh, meetingness that you so sorely missed from your life right now. So you can have the conference room this is just brilliant. So you can feel like you're physically walking into somewhere. This is this is just unimaginably awesome. Yeah, I don't know why, you know, all it takes is just maybe like some kind of licensing or sales deal with Microsoft to get your whole office tenant, maybe Office 365 Minecraft access in some way. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing dollar signs in my eyeballs thinking how... I think so, too. So maybe we should take this back. Maybe we can add this... And can you add this to, like, A5 or E5 licensing, just a, just a Minecraft Enterprise license? This is brilliant. How do we get in on this? I think... Doesn't Microsoft own Minecraft now? They do. They bought Mojang in, like, 2016, yeah. 2017. Oh, no. So we just gave them... So they could add it as part of the M365 package, like Minecraft The Office Experience. Minecraft 365. M365. Oh, look at what we've done. Oh, my God. We... What are we doing with our lives? I, what is happening? Microsoft, make me an MVP already. I'm giving you all these Seriously, great ideas. Seriously. This is amazing. This is probably your best idea. If you're looking for, if you're looking for a cash surplus right now, this is this is how you do it. Imagine if that was your job is just creating virtual office like conference rooms and then would, imagine this be... too with Minecraft you could make like office maps this is brilliant and then tie it into the resource room you could do cartography you could actually make This is amazing. You could actually make the IT room a cave, a nice dark cave. You could even make the neckbeards. This is amazing. It could be every single trope and stereotype and anything you ever wanted in an office to actually come true. Minecraft, the work from home experience. The skeletons can be in the closet, even. This is amazing. I, you could even set the whole place on fire. Yes, you could have. Oh my god! <laughs> except nobody would die, and maybe you could recover from it. You could do right. My, yeah, my, Minecraft and the so, Enterprise is going to contain it all. It's going to contain all the collaboration, the physical space, arson, whatever it is you want. So, are the creepers? basically the business units i think so the creepers can be the business units 
you can have the Ender Dragon as your customer base. That's your ultimate goal is to slay the customer base or win over the customer base. This is fantastic. Yes, so Minecraft and the Enterprise, I think, is definitely the next level of anything. Coming coming to an E5 license near you, or A5, or A license. It'll be so much more worth it than, like, Stream or Forms or Flow or anything else. Because it'll actually get used. So wait, why, why are we thinking Johnny Gilbert? I just now realized that you said Johnny Gilbert in the beginning. I thought, and why are we thinking... Funny you should ask. I thought that was a wonderful way to just get the podcast starting on nitro nitroglycerin and just have us <laughs> zoom right into it. It was actually quite perfect, but I, it kind of just caught me off guard. I got really excited about the Minecraft and the Enterprise that I was like, wait, Johnny Gilbert, but why? I think I had different original plans to get this podcast kickstarted, but I think the Minecraft Enterprise stole the show. But I still kind of wanted my original plan a little bit, so I added the thank you, Johnny Gilbert. That was quite, wow, this is our best intro to date. This really has. I've been watching a lot of old game shows lately, and a lot of them start out mm. with thanking the announcer, so I don't know. We don't really have yeah, an announcer, but you know. Polite. Oh, I miss Game Show Network. That was my favorite. Yeah, we have Buzzer instead, and Buzzer is okay, but man, if you watch it enough times, you see the same Save the Children, over again. Shriners Hospitals commercials, and the same episodes Ooh. of Password Plus. You just kind of get sick of it after a while yeah the password is always password it's like there's a backlog of jeopardy episodes that goes back nearly 30 years and they can't get any of those instead i'm just watching the same well jeopardy is on hulu oh is it is it like old jeopardy yes. or is it like current jeopardy i didn't see how far back it goes i just saw it was on hulu okay yeah because my thing about jeopardy is like current jeopardy is okay but i just think it's kind of boring i like older jeopardy i just think the set's the sets look better. I think I like I like sort of the theme music of some older seasons. Yes. Particularly they I sort of Oh sorry, go ahead. I sort of miss Hollywood Squares, but we can keep talking about Jeopardy. Oh yeah. Hollywood Squares they still occasionally play Hollywood Squares on Buzzer. It's like the eighties episodes. Yeah. With Whoopi. Whoopi's always on Hollywood Squares. Mm -hmm. Um but with Jeopardy, it was like they rebroadcast one of the like the original Ken Jennings appearance, and man, that set was pointy. It it looked like you could hurt yourself on some of those corners. But anyway, I digress. Yes, Jeopardy and Johnny Gilbert. I like how you pointed out the pointy corners of all the things on the set, or all the things about it, the pointy corners. No, seriously, all the podiums during that season, I think it was like 07, 08, whatever, whatever Ken Jennings' first episode was, like the corners of those pod those three podiums, like they were all like triangular shaped, and I think if you walked into one wrong, I don't know if they were styrofoam or if they were metal or what, but that could have hurt. Wow, if you, yeah, let's not do that. If you'll notice in current seasons, they are all very neatly square or rounded or just very sanded down edges <laughs> ladies and gentlemen welcome to the hope this helps podcast well, where we we talk teach about, you about jeopardy we talk about tech and jeopardy and it appears to be more tepardy jeopardy than Te tepardy tepardy tech techno jeopardy tech yeah um i mean i don't know for as smart as ken jennings but maybe no not even combined yeah well Maybe. He was a computer scientist when he first went on Jeopardy. Now he apparently just is kind of a social media guy or just writes books or blogs or talks about how he was on Jeopardy. And he answered a lot of questions correctly. Yes. So. So wow. let's talk about real stuff. Okay. And yeah. 
Yeah, so we have a little follow-up. Um, some, some, oh, yay! We have some funny follow-up <laughs> from our last episode. So last week I was trying to come up with, on the spot, the name of the software that changes your face and the syncing of your mouth with some whatever photo you want. And I was trying to come up with the name of this by searching on DuckDuckGo, and my search terms could have been better. I picked Zoom JPEG Mouth on DuckDuckGo, and man, I got some not-so-great results, even with the safe yeah. search on. Oh boy, DuckDuckGo, you need, to, you need to fix up your safe search a little bit, because I did not get yep. great results. I'm gonna, just going to auto-correct the, the one that came up. So we came up with the wonderful title of... Um, duck, duck, go, but with Fs. Oh yes, FF go, FFG, FF go, FFG. Yeah. So the actual <laughs> the actual name of the software that I was trying to find, which I ended up just asking a coworker, the name of the software is called Avatarify, and it's on GitHub. Ooh. I tried to install it, but I kind of lost interest because it required a lot of extra stuff, including like a full Python installation. So I kind of started, and then I kind of drifted off. It's a lot of work. Yeah, it's like I like the gag in meetings, but if I have to set up that much software and have that much running or figure out Python, I'm just I'm just I'm just hard out. Sorry. Yeah, you you lost me at Python. I can do Python. I've I used to program Python way back in the day, but it's really not fresh in my mind. Right. Or it doesn't even sound like you're thinking about it. No, I'm already over. Even a little bit. I'm already over it. it just, <laughs> you're over it already. It needs to be easy, like Teams Teams and Zoom backgrounds, where you can just click a button and it'll just be there. Right, and then I just find some pretend hidden folder, and I'm like, "Here you go. I'm gonna put some silly background in here." Yeah, just like. Cr- Speaking of which, Teams has now just come out with like background governance, so you can stop people from putting up silly backgrounds, which makes me really sad. So you can't walk in on yourself if your organization deems it so. Yeah, yeah. no more. If your organization's like, nope, sorry, censored. That's boring. I'd like to be on the governance board of what is an approved wallpaper for a meeting. In a... That'd be awesome. Wouldn't that be? Well, sorry. No, you can't be the Tiger King. You can't have the Tiger King with lasers as your background. I can't be on D. Just... I can't be on C- CSGO's DE Dust 2. I can't be walking in on myself. I can't be in a room that's on fire. That... That's just sad. The wallpaper party is over. Womp, womp, womp. That is really, really unbelievably sad. That is so sad. So is it... Like, who gets to decide that? I don't know. So is it like the GIF governance in Teams where you can just kind of turn yeah. it on and off? Is it all or nothing right yeah. now? Or do they just... Can they, can they give you a repository of approved wallpaper? I think you can... I think you can add, like, um, organizational approved backgrounds. Oh, that's fun. Can you just, like, imagine it? Buy our stuff buy our stuff as like your background it just peppers you with your company logo yeah you can just picture it now go the whatever or whatever people say just do it i don't know yeah. well i guess if you work if you work at a place that fun then i guess that'll be coming that'll be coming your way i don't know though considering we just talked about um ff go and if your background was just do it that'd be hilarious <laughs> We're just we're just full of ideas. Welcome to the Hope This Helps Inappropriate Podcast, everybody. We have been entirely censored and totally PG thirteen. That's just how it, how it is, I guess. <laughs> that, that's how that and that's how the cookie crumbles. Mm-hmm. So, sp- anyways, <laughs> speaking of censorship, what the off? Um, what the off? What the off, Microsoft? So, 
Um, I have an update on the Exchange Online PowerShell Module V2, and Ugh. and uh, it's reconnecting behavior after a timeout. So it turns out, yep. so it appears, I and I can't seem, to, I can't get an answer out of Microsoft. I've reached out to them and I've gotten no response. They, it seems, if you are connected to Exchange Online via the new PowerShell module, which supposedly connects you via modern auth, you know, not through basic auth or whatever. If you let it sit for a while, maybe sometimes maybe as short as 30 minutes or an hour, depending on how lucky or unlucky you get. If you go to reconnect by entering a command, you have to, it has to re-authenticate, it has to reconnect, re-establish a session and kind of re-acquiesce itself. But when it does that, it throws up a warning stating, warning, you can't, you won't be able to reconnect through basic authentication after some point in the future it's kind of vague and i'm sitting here thinking but i thought i'm using the new exchange online powershell module because i already connected with it and it was fine before but why is it suddenly mad at me so this is part of the new thing that they're telling me to use and it just points me to the same module i'm currently using so i reached out to microsoft for clarification but so far they haven't gotten back to me on this one which i think is really funny so wait, they haven't gotten back to you yet? No, they haven't. I emailed because the only way of reaching out to them for this particular module is this like kind of hokey email address they have set up that comes up oh. when you load the when you load the exchange connection. And they've re they've replied to me before because I asked them before about how to do alias dual sessions, and they got back to me actually rel relatively quickly. But this time, hmm. there's just been radio silence. Maybe they're. I know they've been super busy at least like all over the map. So maybe, I mean, you could always just spam them. Oh, I'm kidding. Don't do that. I mean, I was thinking, I was thinking of it. I was probably, you just could, I would send them another email just in case. Yeah. I would just send the same email again or just say, Hey, yeah. I asked. Hey, for this. any update? Hey guys, please advise, please, please advise, please advise, <laughs> please advise me. Please advise, please advise me, please, please do the needful. And thank you. Please advise. Hmm. Please advice. So, speaking of replying and sending things. Mm, yes. Mm, There's the reply all storm. Microsoft is finally doing something about that. Yeah. Even though it always happens to them. Mm -hmm. I think someone at Microsoft finally got mad at the fact that if you get caught in some big email thread and everyone replies all and it never stops, um, I think finally someone's put their foot down and had enough of this. So so annoying so apparently at ignite 2019 i didn't i somehow completely missed this they announced the uh, the reply all storm protection feature but it's coming to 0365 well it happened last year again so i know that it was like a huge deal because it happened at microsoft again <laughs> oh so of course so you know nothing accelerates mm -hmm. rolling out a feature at microsoft than just you know something that happens to microsoft themselves exactly in which speaking about rolling out new features please head to the microsoft teams user voice forum and vote the heck out of the breakout rooms it is one of the most wanted features right now and it is supposedly coming out this year but no one really knows when um, but it is a feature that is built into zoom natively and one of the cool things about it is that in zoom is that you just kind of click it and then you can go to your breakout rooms right now there's a hokey workaround where you can create a bunch of meetings and then like add people to them ahead of time but it creates a lot of overhead and a lot of work for people 
Um, so it's just a really cool functionality. So go over there and just vote away because this is how Microsoft does things. Yeah, it'll keep social mediaing. It'll keep teams competitive with Zoom for sure because there's a lot of things that teams could really do a lot better to, you know, stay stay on the up and up with Zoom. Correct. I know Zoom just like as just a very basic conferencing app it it does it really well just for the few things that it does do i i I will say there's a couple things i wish zoom could do better i think the chat's a little lacking it's not it doesn't do rich text links aren't often clickable or at least not fully uh you had the unc security bug for a long while and you can't post images or whatever and the chat isn't usually easily saved especially if you're a guest in a zoom meeting if it if the meeting ends often unexpectedly you can't recover that chat what so there's some things that teams has a leg up on zoom over but other things like bandwidth consumption optimization is really rickety in teams the video Mm. grid video grid uh conferencing there's a lot to be desired and breakout rooms so the thing about teams is that if you do not set up if you're one, if you're using VPN and connecting to VPN and you're not split tunneling and you don't have all of your media traffic bypassed, your experience is going to be really horrible with video conferencing. Yeah. Um, so there is a whole bunch of stuff you can do to improve that. And there's some really cool Power BI CQD stuff that you can do to improve the overall experience of Teams. So I highly recommend um, doing that. So mm. what does CQD stand because for? It's uh, call quality data, or hey, guide, okay. I don't know. The yeah, so it's call quality essentially. But there's some cool Power BI reports and stuff, and you can get it really get into it. And Teams is also really particular about headsets. So if you are not using an authorized headset, it it really does not perform well. Uh, I just got a they new, oh you did I just got a new headset with teams or not not with teams but uh just a new headset period um mm-hmm. I went for a Sony was it a Sony WH1000 version 3 basically one of the $400 Sony noise canceling headsets and this thing has been fantastic I love my I have the same ones we are headphone twins oh really yes it is yeah they're fantastic Sorry, I'm looking at. The, I'm trying to stretch my neck and look at the box. Yeah, the WH1000XM3. It appears. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm a big fan. I. You're a big fan. Yeah. No, I'm a big fan of this thing. Um, I it was actually recommended to me by a friend for uh, Counter Strike Global Offensive, <laughs> of all things, <laughs> because um, I was it was I was getting kind of i was getting some flack for i was using like a five dollar like cost headset that was like maybe 15 years old and the foam was literally falling apart in my ears and it was wired and problem was on de desk 2 i couldn't hear people walking from a decent distance away when if you had decent sound audio hardware you could hear people apparently like half a mile away with the footsteps so i got the headset mostly for that but it's been kind of a game changer for just video conferencing and overall work in general because i've never had a noise canceling headset and this thing is scary good it is very very good and if you use the app you can actually control the level of noise canceling so you can add more ambience and add more noise canceling if you wanted. So if you were going out running. Yeah. But I can't run with 
over ear headsets. Yeah. I, Anyways, I feel like I'm wearing like a helmet. I'm not super mobile with this headset because I kind of feel like I'm in an airplane when I'm wearing these. It's sort of the, the pressure thing kind of gets to my head a little bit when the noise canceling is in full swing. There are a few things you can do even without the app. If you, I think if you hold down one of the buttons, you can do an ambient noise tuning in the room. So the app isn't necessarily fully required, at least none of the current firmware update. And then something my friend told me is if you cup the right side of this headset, it will turn on temporary um, pass-through sound so you can hear people in the room if someone comes up to you and you need to hear them and you have the noise canceling on. Wait, I didn't know that, and I just tried it. Yeah, I didn't know either until a friend told me. What? That is so cool. I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't know either. And my friend was like, well, why didn't you read the manual? I was like, I don't read manuals for a lot of things. No, I don't read the manuals either. I just bought them because they were really good headphones. And because when back when we were in the office very long ago, um, someone always left their ringer on. And I have pet peeves with like random noises. So unless like people are talking and so if people are talking, I'm fine. But if it's just like random tapping or like random phone ringing or vibrating, like I can't, I lose concentration and I, so I was like, I'm going to get headphones. Yep. And that will, so I bought these. And these will absolutely drown out most, most anything, which is fantastic. But yeah, the, the, yeah, the cupping of the right earphone for for immediate like ambient sound outside of the noise canceling is is a definite amazing feature and i wouldn't have known if it hadn't been for my buddy telling me about it so yay for crowdsourced headset choosing i'm so excited that we're headphones twins yeah no i didn't know we had the same one i'm so this is the most defining moment of our lives right now yeah anyways how did we get here we were talking about teams and approved headsets and we went on a tangent about the sony wh so. yes clearly we we are like excited about life today yeah so what else we got trying to not to not to not to abruptly change the subject but also trying to steer us back in the right direction um there's been an announcement for sharepoint and onedrive and sensitivity labels in office 365 and i thought they don't say mean things yeah so if you have nuclear plans or secret data or big PowerPoint slides that you're planning to show in a public space with a bunch of people, but you want it to be confidential somehow, you can apply sensitivity labels to your content in M365. And it seems you can also, and when you do that, then there's a big diagonal confidential text that shows up in the slide. And we all know when that, when that shows up, it's confidential. Of course, I'm, of course there's, there's a bunch of other stuff that gets put in with encryption or whatever, but I just thought that was kind of funny that they, they, despite all these advanced technological features, we still feel the need to, you know, put, slap a big confidential label on top of content you can just read. So a lot of times too, for GDPR, there's a lot of requirements where a person has to consent or has to be aware of something. So that might be part of it. Yeah. Is that if, so for example, I could be like, I didn't know it was confidential and then if I leave the company and then they go and tell everybody, they'll be like, well, here's the PowerPoint. Yeah, here's the PowerPoint. It really was. Here was the policy. It's bla- the file was tagged as such. And great. <laughs> then you <laughs> then you would be in trouble in theory. Yeah, I think if it got to that point, there would definitely be some legal action or something along those lines yeah this policy probably makes a lot more sense yeah if you're global with gdpr and have to cross borders or have different data 
policies you have to deal with as opposed to just here in one country. Which, interestingly enough, I didn't know this about GDPR, and I just uh, recently found out that in it, so if you're going to do a recording, you have to do, so if you're recording a meeting, you have to have some way to actually uh, physically accept or consent to it. Oh, really? Yeah, so you have to, like, actually, a verbal confirmation isn't enough, or, like, just um, having a person aware of it. They actually have to, like, physically say, yes, like, I agree to this. Oh, that's interesting. So you can't actually start the recording until all parties involved. Oh, wow, that's... Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, so if, like, you have a huge meeting, everyone has to consent to the recording of it. Yikes. If they're in a GDPR-governed country. Right. So that would be probably European, Middle European, Eastern European. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much uh, any any European country. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's fun. So. Cool stuff. Real cool stuff. Talking about sensitivity. Sensitive stuff. You know what's not sensitive? Well, it is sensitive to my feelings. Um, Wait, you have feelings? I, I sometimes have feelings. Sometimes. I have less feelings tonight, but we'll, whatever. Um, <laughs> so Visual Studio Code 1.45 is out, and this is a rather significant update, at least in my eyes, because this is sort of turning the dial up on the GitHub integration. Particularly, it's making the ability to push, pull, and authenticate through GitHub much easier. And it's also tightened up the credential, the credential storage as well. So... In the past, I understand that there were other ways to do this, but in the past, for me at least, the way I would do my git pulls and pushes was I would use the separate GitHub desktop application where I would save my scripts or whatever in VS Code. And, you know, once I was ready, I would switch over to the GitHub desktop app, review my changes, put my notes in for my commits, and then push it and commit it, and off it went. But now with this 1.45 update, you can actually store your GitHub credentials in Visual Studio Code in the in its own credential repository, as long as given you have Git uh, just the base Git installed, which it will just hook into. But it will not necessarily use the Git credential manager. It appears that VS Code will hold its own, and it will remember those. So when you open a Git repo that is tied to your account previously through GitHub Desktop or whatever, Visual Studio Code will pick up on that. It'll prompt for your credentials one time, and then it will remember it, and it will do the 2FA authentication as well if you, if need be. And then you're basically good to go. You can do pulls and pushes without the need for the Git command line or Visual Studio, um, excuse me, GitHub Desktop. So it just kind of makes it a lot easier just to author your content and do version control just from within one application as a quote-unquote single pane of glass so to speak yay integration yep it it was a feature i originally thought came with visual studio code a while back but i guess now this kind of just makes it official or at least makes it more official than it was where before you had to know a bit for the git command line or github desktop some other separate method so exchange online i feel like it's been perpetually broken for like a super long time it's been real broken especially yesterday yes so last week there was the issues if you were um if you were your tenant is not in modern authentication and you're still connecting with basic authentication 
your Outlook client would perpetually ask you for password prompts. They have since rolled out a fix. However, it appears that Exchange Online now won't let you in. Oh, great. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, no, I just got another notification, too. Let me uh, go ahead and pull this up. It's just been, like, um, for lack of better words, a, a show of throwing poop. Yeah, I don't know if this has been worse or better because actually I just randomly I just recently put myself onto the email notifications for Officer 65 advisories and alerts but it's been bonkers this week no this week it's been higher there were uh I think like this morning 15 in a row and I was just like whoa 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 slow down yeah I so that I previously haven't paid a lot of attention to these, but holy cow, I don't think there was this many advisories or problems or things breaking as much no, as there has been No, it's been a long week. time. So this one just currently came in at 9.39. Multiple issues with sending and receiving emails. Status, false positive. Oh, God. Multiple issues with sending and receiving emails. User may experience various issues when attempting to send or receive emails via any protocol. Oh, God. User may experience the, the in, following impact scenario. User sending emails with specific URL within the signature may be flagged as spamming, spam or phishing. User may experience delays when sending or receiving messages. User may receive an error when attempting to send emails. User may oh. see duplicate emails. Oh, God. So... And they expect it to be restored by tomorrow at 3 a.m. UTC. No, it better be, let me tell you. <laughs> Man, I feel like every other day it's a problem with, like, basic functionality of email. Ba- basic. It's like, it's like if I decided to wake up and be like, I don't know how to get dressed anymore. My job is literally to get out of bed and get dressed and do what I'm supposed to do. And Exchange Online just can't do that lately. Yeah, yesterday Exchange, uh, at least with OA, it was like OA forgot to wear pants to work yesterday because OA couldn't load. The only way to really work around it was you had to know a specific URL where you had to put in your, like, your own, you had to know what your own UPN is. You know, if you're a basic user, no one's going to know that. And you had to know the exact formatting. And yet there was some rumors that you had to adjust your pop-up blocker as well and accept a couple prompts that might show up only in Chrome and Firefox. It was different behavior. It was a mess. The final advice, the final um, update to that advisory was, I guess they had a change that really went sideways and they had to roll it back. It was that bad. They usually never roll back. They always typically either like roll forward, if you will. And then the following day, or at least for a couple hours, the following day, they had problems where they somehow broke the search in the Outlook desktop client. So it's like if one yes. if one thing wasn't broken, it was the other. I think they just want the attention. They're being attention horrors. They're really trying to... Exchange online. We know you're there. You don't have to tell us. We just need you to work. Stop throwing a tantrum. <laughs> like, please just function. It's fine. Just... I'm going to start bell checking it. Do your job. You know, if you're going to be called Office 365, please be available for 365. Well, preferably mm-hmm. days and not hours. Right. Please. That'd be great. I would love to also not keep having to send out alerts about this, as well as spend time trying to talk everyone off of a ledge. It's been That'd Im- be fantastic. It's been impacting me as well, because I've also had to respond to this. And luck. I mean, at least... I can take some comfort in most of the time when someone tells me it's like, Hey, why isn't email working? I can just check my email in my inbox rule for M365 alerts. And wow, look, it's another advisory email is 
blown up again for the fifth time this week. Hold on, let me check my email to tell you that my email's broken. Ooh, yeah, that's actually a very good point. Sign up for email alerts to tell you when email is broken. There should be a fallback mm-hmm. method where if specifically if email breaks, it should send you a text message or mail you a, yeah. mail you a letter physically. <laughs> right. <laughs> send the carrier pigeon Yeah. to send me my message. Send me an IM wow. Teams message. I just or... realized we've we've taken 30 minutes to boot up. Is this really? Oh, yeah. I guess we're still <laughs> we're still working our way. We're still we're still booting up. We're still fighting our way out of the intro. It's fine. We had a lot of random. We've had some good stuff in our intro today. We had a lot of random things to talk about. No, we have the big. I think we're just having. You know, sometimes you go to a restaurant. Big things. Sometimes you go to a restaurant and you just want to eat a lot of bread, and you know, by the time you get to the food, you're like, "Oh man, but that bread was so good." Now this food. Right, right, and then you order the food and you take like a bite, and then you just end up taking it home. Yeah. Well, and then you don't eat it. Yeah. Because <laughs> you forget about it. It'll just sit in the back of your fridge. Because so you essentially just ate free bread. <laughs> I'm all for free bread. I that you like paid a lot bread. of money for. Yeah. I know, but like, what's the point of ordering a meal then? Anyways, we digress. Yes. Uh, this is why we need a, we need a, a manager. We need a babysitter. We need a project manager for this podcast. Let me tell you, this is mm-hmm. this is out of control. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm. I'm gonna. This is out. Yeah, I'm going to talk about RSIC next week, I think. Uh, that's why I labeled it a spare topic, because I don't have yeah. any, I don't have anything prepared to talk about RSYNC. I just think I want to either complain about it or, or sing its praises, one of the two. But we'll push right. we'll push that off. We'll, let, we'll push that off to next week, I we'll think. Let, we'll let you sink on it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. The kitchen, the kitchen RSYNC. The, the R kitchen sink. Yeah. Slash our kitchen sink. Yeah, no, we'll stay. Uh, we'll, we'll stay a little more themed this week. We'll stay more in the in the uh, Microsoft world as opposed to diverting into Raspberry Pi Linux land. So, um, and spe- mm. speaking of that, so Azure DevOps. Um, I have words about Azure DevOps. Oh, like scathing words or no. words of excitement? Oh, oh, it's it's moderate. Please do tell. It's, it's moderate excitement with cautious optimism. So I. I dove into the world of Azure DevOps uh, this week, and by this week, I mean really honestly today, where I knew of it, but I decided to actually try to just experiment with it today. So Azure DevOps is surprisingly easy to understand if you've already gotten into GitHub and you know your way around GitHub. So it works similarly to the point where your GitHub repositories are actually cross-compatible you can import existing GitHub repositories into Azure DevOps and just hit the ground running from there with all the existing change history. So if you've started a project in GitHub on your own in hopes of getting your organization to jump on the bandwagon of Azure DevOps and get some governance in place and unify your code base infrastructure under Azure, it's... I can safely say that this is a good way to do it. Um, if you started in GitHub or TFS, you can transfer, you can import it in to a project in DevOps. Um, and you can also configure permissions inside your organization and you can decide who has access to what. You can do your traditional Git uh, pulls, pushes, co- uh, comments, commits, everything like that. And it works with Visual Studio Code, as expected, I'd imagine. And with the 1.45 update to Visual Studio Code this week, 
it actually makes pulling and pushing your changes to Azure DevOps really easy. So um, I've done a couple of test projects and repositories and my one of the things I'm trying to wrap my head around is probably something that requires a more org-wide discussion is how do you want to govern that access? How would you like to structure your projects or repositories and how do you want to set up your roles and security groups and things like that in the Azure world? So it's, but it's definitely promising and a lot simpler than I thought it was going to be. It doesn't necessarily require you to set up things in Azure like storage accounts or kind of the more Azure side of Azure. It's just sort of a more developer friendly environment where you can just, if you know Git, you're kind of already halfway there. Yay, Azure. I honestly have not played with it much. Uh, I work at an AWS shop, so. Oh. Yeah. Just yeah. Oh, oh no, not AWS. We don't. Oh, oh, no. we, we don't we speak of those things. We don't like your kind. AWS. The AWS. It's like some fancy club. It's a. It, Anyways. It's a club that of which I do not have membership to. I don't know if anybody would listen to us if we kept talking like this. <laughs> That's the country club down the road. Oh, okay. Wrong place. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, Cheerios. Anyways. Um, so, screaming over streams. So, if Microsoft couldn't get any more confusing, they are like, hey, you can record in Teams, which is great and all. That's beautiful, whatever. I don't care. Um, however, it's so unbearably complicated. Um However, they're like, oh, it's super easy. You just have to license for streams. But what they don't tell you, they do tell you. But if you don't know what you're reading, that if you don't license your users for streams, it gets uploaded to Azure, uh, Azure Media something or another. So your stuff gets uploaded. You don't have access to it, but you can download it for 20 days. Ooh, wow. So... It gives you like a trial so, version. Yeah, but like an admin can't do anything about it. And for for at least I know the organization I work for, it's a huge deal where we get concerned over like GDPR and stuff because we're like, okay, where is this data being stored now? Because I remember someone was like, hey, look, you can record as being stored locally. And I just remember being so confused and I was like, I'm pretty sure it's cloud only and it was nothing. I just didn't look into it more. And finally I took some time and I started going through it and I was like, oh, it's not being stored locally. It's basically going up to Azure blob storage. It's being stored there. And then over a period of time, it will go away. But if you want to have more control over it, just license your user for streams. I'm a, I'm, I thought of a really hilarious visual in my head where it's like there's like a flying saucer over a meeting and people are just getting abducted into the saucer and unless you pay the aliens the unless you pay the aliens the correct licensing you, you don't know where those abductees were taken. Hey, exactly. Exactly. I have really perfect. stupid stupid uh, <laughs> similes in my head for things like this to help me understand. That is amazing. Yes. God, what is wrong with me? <laughs> oh, so that was the best visual. Okay. So well, speaking of odd visuals, yeah. now, um, 
double speak in tech. So one of the <laughs> most frustrating things is when multiple things can mean multiple things in different places. For example, so we're going to go back to the streams example it or to the team's recording example. So they they call out and they say, well, cloud recording. But okay, unless like you read the fine print, so you can turn off cloud recording for Teams, but so you assume like Teams uses streams to record, but no, what they mean is cloud recording. <laughs> you have to read the fine print right. and then you see, okay, that means just recording in general in plain English. Yeah, what is that? It, <laughs> I want to turn off recording. It just goes to the cloud. You know, why do you care about where it goes? It goes to the cloud. It's, yes, it's up there. It's right. in the cloud. Right. Just, just say turn off recording. Yeah, it, it, you know it's it's double speak. It's kind of like how Microsoft had to rename the two the twenty oh three release of Windows ten so it wouldn't be Windows ten two thousand three, <laughs> and instead we're getting Windows version two thousand four, which is being released in May of twenty twenty, and it's also not the year two thousand four. I forget there were some other ones too that I was thinking about earlier that oh so in so because i've been just in teams a lot lately so in teams when you're setting up policies for blocking um you you think like oh if i block this i can't i can't see it i won't be able to see it in the app store so if i'm talking about applications management right yeah so if i block an app in a policy no that just means i can't download it oh Lovely. So you actually have to like go into the other app area. And so I had to basically write documentation up to explain these 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 terms that become very confusing for people who are trying to train the user base. And so I basically have decided you need a PhD in Microsoft DoubleSpeak. Yes, that that is very that is very true. I mean, I'm coming off of Azure training, so I just learned a bunch of terms, and half of them seem to trample all over each other in terms of their acronyms or different right. definitions. So it's just the Microsoft way, just to be utterly confused all the time. That's how I feel. I feel like I just constantly have dementia. Weren't you talking with someone at Microsoft, and even then they said something about like oh you can do this but then you're like no but you need licensing for the recordings it was the same kind of yes. catch 22 it was the same exact catch 22 so and it's also very confusing if you're administering it and you read one thing and it's like oh you have to license users in order to record but then it's like no wait you actually can record and it's like just pick one just pick one it reminds me of windows server <laughs> licensing and god help you if you ever get audited and trying to just figure out okay how just how much do i have to pay and it's like no it's like by core and you know how many virtual cores you have or how many instances you you know it doesn't make a lot of sense it's intentionally confusing by design yeah no they they want you to um i don't know cry i haven't quite decided because it's not really like a money-making method i'm just now confused mm -hmm. and i'm not and now i'm like i uh, I don't want to pay you. I just, I just don't know what to do now. Um, so yeah, it's just a very confusing type of thing. So Microsoft, you could like come out with like your double speak dictionary. That'd be great. Maybe just simplify it for us just a little bit. Yeah, just like get like give us a bone something. Mm -hmm. 
like wink smile i don't i don't know something um that'd be great because it would help with like internal documentation as well oh god yeah but because <laughs> it's so confusing to try to explain to people like what something means like a policy versus a policy i'm trying to remember what it was well, i'm trying to remember what it was <laughs> but there was something in azure that um they got wrong in the documentation where there was a field when you were deploying oh god i'm trying to remember what this even was if it was kubernetes or one of the arm templates something like that i remember when i was deploying it there was a field that used to be optional and now it is mandatory. Oh, it was desired state configuration. There was a particular um, PS1 file. I'm trying to remember this off the top of my head. It was either PSD1 or a PS something one file. It was a PowerShell configuration. And it used to be optional. And then when they updated it to the V2 version of the DSC, it became mandatory. But the, but the documentation did not reflect this. And I thought that was just really amusing. So even then, sometimes their documentation isn't even up to up to par yeah i think they just have like a room full of fifth graders and they're like here update this like okay okay i'll i guess i guess i'll do it it's a little how now the updates you know when they update they don't really qa them they just rely on <laughs> the first person to download install it and have it break on them and then they they canary it to everybody else yeah i almost wonder if it's like a room full of kindergartners and they're just like here here engineer the next update i like how we went down from fifth graders to kindergartners well with the exchange online breaking like every day it feels like kindergartners and i mean that with all all of my i mean you're not wrong gentle it's frustrating it is please just work (laughs) i just want something to work at this in this time at this point in my life please email, i will do anything e- for it to work email should not be the thing that's breaking right now all of the time oh, no it's a tier one system please and thank yeah. you and we also have to update the, more email bitching yeah here we go we also think we also have to update the ui randomly and pointlessly to infuriate me on monday mornings so they rearranged the deck chairs in outlook and i don't like it Iceberg, so ahead. recently outlook <laughs> The Office, the Office 365 version of Outlook, the click-to-run Outlook, has gotten a bit of a facelift in recent months and weeks, and it's been slowly, it's been announced here and there, but it's been rolling out, and every time, they, they, they do it very stealthily, and it's really, oh, it's infuriating. So, the first big change I noticed was when you're running a draft in this new version of Outlook, they swapped the pop-out and discard buttons in the inline reply. No. You can't you can't imagine how many emails I've lost because I've clicked the wrong button because I had a muscle memory of where discard was and where pop out was. And I tend to like to click pop out and I end up discarding my draft. That's not cool, Microsoft. Why did you swap these buttons? What else what else happened? So the the ribbon has been condensed and some buttons have kind of been moved around and some places that you could access them appear to no longer be available. So for example, from what I see from what I observe, forward is attachment call reply with IM and meeting has been relocated to inline reply only and it either at least from what I can see, it is not in the pop-out reply. It's just an inline. So some of these buttons are moving around, and the ribbon is now flatter, and there's, you know, now I have to update my screenshots and documentation as to where stuff is, and it's just going to confuse the end user quite a bit. Um, and lastly, one 
one major change is the search bar has moved to the title bar, which it's kind of take it or leave it. Some folks might be a little bit confused as to where that went because previously there was a different search there called what do you want to do? And it wasn't quite the search bar. It was kind of its own thing where it was kind of like contextual help where you could just type to find something and it would take you there. But now it's the general email search and it's been just moved to the top of the, to the top of the window to sort of try to unify itself with other office apps and the drop down filters are hidden until you click this box. So some folks might also be used to the current folder, current mailbox dropdowns in Outlook, and that now is sort of hidden. I love the sass. What do you want to do? Yeah. What do like, you want to do? Is, is that the voice that I, like you say it in when you read it? What do you want to do? I ask myself that every time I open Outlook, to be honest. So I guess it's just... What do you want to do? It, it's just manifesting my inner thoughts. See, I do that. I'm like, oh, what do you want to do when I open it? And I immediately close out of it. <laughs> I need that. Qu- I'm like, I need that question asked in more parts of the software I use just all the time. Like, what <laughs> What do you want to do? Uh, Close out of this application now. Just get me out of here. Get me out. How do I get out? Please just cancel all my meetings, do all my work for me and close out. I wonder if you can make a bot. You probably can. I bet there probably is one. What do you want to do? And then it will read your mind. Outlook AI bot. Wait a minute. Didn't they already do this? Isn't that what... They did do that. Isn't this what Clippy was supposed to be? <laughs> yes. We, we've been down this road. <laughs> I mean, we've been full of great ideas today, but we did not come up with that one. <laughs> yeah. Microsoft came up with it and then promptly got rid of it. And then they g- people didn't like it. I know. It. Well, no, no, no. They made us fall in love with Clippy, and then they brutally took him away. I, I was a fan of Clippy. Clippy. Clippy was around when I was in elementary school, and I remember. Yeah, fifth grade was fantastic. That dude was Clippy. That 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 dude was cool. That dude was awesome. So I don't. I just remember like talking to him. I'd be like, "Hey, Clippy," and then he didn't reply, and I'd be like, "Clippy, hey." I didn't know his name. I always just called him the paperclip. You dude. You didn't know his name. I called him the paperclip dude when I was a kid. I didn't know his name was Clippy till years later. <laughs> What? He says, hi, I'm Clippy. Oh, I must have not paid attention. I wasn't a very good no. elementary school student. Well, this is why they killed Clippy. Because of people like you who don't read. People like me. Just ignorant, what do you ignorant want? people like me. What do you want to <laughs> you, Now we're stuck with what do you want to do? What do you want to do? do? <laughs> it reminds me of Monsters, Inc. That's the voice I say. Oh, like, I hear it in. Oh, it's Roz? It's Roz from yeah, Roz. Monsters, Inc.? Hold on, you have to do your Roz voice. What do you want to do? I'm always watching you. Okay, no, but say, what do you want to do in Roz's voice? What do you want to do? <laughs> yes! <laughs> Mike Wazowski. This is awesome. Oh, Can you please record that and then just, like, play that clip? What do you want to do? Yeah, we should we should totally record this right now. That's what we should totally do. We should we should record this you know, and then share it with the world. You know, Tiff, we should make a podcast sometime. We should. That sounds like a great idea. That is a brilliant idea. Maybe we'll call it Hope This Helps. Because we really hope this helps. Because what do you want to do? I don't know. Um... <laughs> Can I, I don't know why, but can I, can I just type? I just I don't read the know. What, what can you can you ask the question of the week in Roz's voice? What is your favorite dongle? That's the question of the week. <laughs> oh, that is perfect. 
What is my favorite? Now I'm just very distracted. So what, Tiff, what is your favorite toggle? <laughs> oh God! Can I? I can't answer that. Let me ask you. A, let me ask you a loaded question. <laughs> is it loaded though? I don't Sorry, know. this is inappropriate. <laughs> I need. <laughs> Jesus. Let's go back to the boot up intro in which we talked about. Oh yeah, thieves inappropriate page results. So, anyways, my favorite dongle. <laughs> um, I have to stop saying that. This is very uncomfortable. Um, I've never like, if you could see my face right now, it's very. I'm like blushing. I'm so embarrassed. I watched a YouTube video recently where it was like it was it was called identify identify this dongle and it was like they blindfolded this person and it was just a pile of dongles and it was like you had to pick one up and you had to guess what it was. But what kind of options of dongles are there? There's um Oh, there's a lot. Especially in the I Apple guess, world. Like, yeah. Well, okay. So if we're talking Apple dongles. Oh my god. You, this is I can I stop saying dongle? <laughs> See, there's 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 the traditional mini D, like you can get the mini DVI. The mini D, the mini D dongle. <laughs> the mini D. <laughs> you, you had your you had your mini D to to, to big DVI. The VDI. Yeah. Mini DVI. It was the micro D, micro DVI. If you were unfortunately mini stuck with that. Mini display port. We've derailed. So, Apple dongles, mm. the Apple D's. So, <laughs> Apple D's, <laughs> the Apple D's. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Anyways, so I really was very fun. Well, I used the the Thunderbolt one a lot. I only ever used one, and it was pre Thunderbolt. It was <laughs> it was pre Thunderbolt, but it was it was. <laughs> Mini display port to Oh mini display port. That has my heart though. That one yeah. was like the most long lasting. Yeah, it was it was it, it was the same shape as the Thunderbolt port that it became to be. But I mm. used the mini display port to VGA one with my original MacBook Air and that it worked until it wasn't Didn't. needed anymore. Or I Ironically I recently just found an entire box of Apple dongles. Oh. They have like eight Apple dongles. I was like, oh, I don't need these anymore. <laughs> They're all mini display to something. Oh. Mini display to Ethernet. Mini display to VGA. Mini display to DVI. See, the nice thing about that, though, is the Surface Pro still uses... Um, well, actually, no, I stand corrected. They stopped with the Surface Pro 6. The Surface Pro 7 moved to USB-C. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Surface Pro 6 and prior used the same Thunderbolt port, which thus is the same mini display port. So if you still have those for Apple devices, they would work with certain models of the Surface Pro. But that's... The more you know. But with USB-C, those are starting to become less prevalent. Well, you know, the dongles, the more you know. The more you know about dongles. You can never know too much about dongles. Nope. We've just educated everyone on the proper use of dongles. This has been your weekly episode of Know Your Dongles. <laughs> what is your favorite dongle? What is your favorite dongle, kid? <laughs> kid. Kid. Anyway. <laughs> Anyhow, so wow. this concludes this week's episode of Hope This Helps. We've now derailed majorly. I don't think we ever railed to begin with. <laughs> 
Well, when you're asking about dongles. <laughs> I, I won't say anything more. I've dug enough of no, a hole at this point. We can't. We we should go. We should. We should now. <laughs> I, think, I think we got to wrap it up at this point. <laughs> I think we're going to be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. If we continue. Oh God. Oh no. What have we done? What? So yeah. What are we? We're we're a podcast, I guess. We're a tech podcast. <laughs> we're, we're a tech podcast. Sometimes not. Yeah, we talk about dongles. We talk about serious things. We talk about Minecraft and Enterprise and M365 and things. We hope this helps. Rate us on iTunes if you thought we were tolerable. Three stars is fine, I guess. And but five stars would yeah. be excellent. Three, just not one. Eh, I guess not one. one just not one. one one's, I am a sh- one's kind of mean. <laughs> One is really real mean. Like, at least give us two. Like, at least pity us. I think we're at least at minimum a two-star podcast. Right. I would say 2.5, but you can't do the half star, so. Yep. We have a website, hdhpc.com, and a whole bunch of other stuff, but it's all there, hdhpc.com. Yeah, we mostly pretend to do stuff. Um, We have a blog, or we're trying to blog, and. We're trying to. We're trying. We'll get there. It takes time. (laughs) It does. Imagine, though, if we blogged the stuff that we talked about. I'm trying to. I'm at least trying to write down the ideas for things. No, I know. But a whole blog post on dongles? Ooh, yeah. That's that's an idea. Hey, look. We have future blog ideas. Look at that. Look at that. We have stuff. That's awesome. Look at us go. HGHPC.com. Yeah. HGHPC.com. And from everyone here, hope this helps. Hope this helps. Hope this helps. Oh, my gosh. Stop. Okay. <laughs>